This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So today we're, we're looking at, at this, this question, you know, is life fair? And it's within the context of living gratefully. Because the fairness question comes up a lot, like, is life fair, is life fair? And if I was to put it in a nutshell, I think if we get stuck on that question, it's going to be really hard to live with a lot of gratitude in our lives. And, and when we were talking about this, this series, we were talking about the importance of titling and the importance of saying, yeah, this is about how do we live gratefully? It's more than just a list. There, there's, there's, there is value in listing all the things we're grateful for, which I'm sure many of you will be doing at your Thanksgiving meal. And as well, there's a great deal of power when we learn how to actually live gratefully. Where it actually becomes an, a, you know, a lifestyle, not just a list. So that's what we're hoping to do. And I'm hoping to share some, some thoughts with you today that, that I think where God is pointing us in a, in a very beautiful direction about how do we start to live gratefully. Now, I want to start out with this. Living gratefully is not easy. Living gratefully, truly grateful, actually is filled with a lot of challenges. You folks know that. So what I want to do is I want to start with this question. Why is gratitude a courageous response to the world? Please. Gratitude, folks, can, can change our, our entire perspective on life. That idea of living, living it. And, and too many of the time, too much of the time, we set love up conditionally and we set love up to like, I'll have gratitude, but I'm going to hold it, hold having gratitude until I reach this band. Whatever that band of being is for you. And, and what I'm going to ask us to think about is, you know, gratitude actually doesn't have anything to do with a reach into the future. Gratitude has to do with what we're living right now. What we're living right now. And we can see those perspectives change. A couple of notes on Facebook for moms when they, when they were talking about, well, so what's good about school closings? You know, the idea of now all the kids are back and now I got to homeschool again. And these were a couple of comments. Jessica said, well, on the bright side, I don't have to pack lunches. Any other silver linings? I like that comment. And then there was another one from Carrie. The dog will continue to have constant attention. <laughs> those, those are good, right? And, and, and you know, it's, it's like there's the choice. There's the choice around living gratefully right now. Now, granted, it's a little tongue-in-cheek and it brings a little giggle, but I think you can even be grateful for the tongue-in-cheek little bit of giggle stuff in our lives. You know, because it's, it's there, it's there as well. Last night, you know, I, I had a wedding, and as is common now, actually, in, in weddings, it was, it was interesting, is, is going into the wedding, and they had set up a, a three jars, a red band, yellow band, and green band for, for red was like, I'm staying way away from people. Yellow means like, I'm okay with maybe a fist bump, and green meant, you know, I'm not that worried about, about social distancing. 
And, and it just is interesting, right? You know, looking at that and, and thinking, not in terms of social distancing that we all should be green, but in terms of life, we should all be green in a certain way. Again, that's not a commentary on social distancing. It's just a commentary on life about, about embracing those, those connections that we have with each other and, and finding the, the sacredness and the gratitude right here and right now. Finding it right here and right now. Now, a story I, I want to share with you is, is a story many, many people know. It's one, it's one sort of a favorite kid's story from the Bible. And it's, and it's the story of Jonah. And it kind of gets to this, this concept, trying to kind of tease it apart. Is, is God fair or is God merciful? Like, which one is, is more significant kind of in God's economy? Like, how does that work? So I want to talk about that for a quick minute here. I'm going to just move this back a little bit, give you a little background on the, on the Jonah story. So we all know the Jonah story from the famous story, Jonah on the Whale. Most people know at least that title. So this is how the story goes in a synopsis. So Jonas was just living a regular life. And then God's like, I need you to go over here to this place called Nineveh because these people aren't getting it. And I need you to tell them it's time for them to repent. Now, repent means to rethink. You know, they're not getting it. They're all confused. Your job is to go and do this, to have to, to, to speak forcefully to them. And Jonah, being true to human nature, goes like, no. Actually, I'm not going to go that way because it's way too uncomfortable. What I'm going to do is I'm actually going to flee over here to this place called Tarshish. So he flees over there. He gets in a boat. The boat hits a big storm. He gets thrown overboard. And that's where the story uh, comes in terms of Jonah being swallowed by the whale. The whale picks him up. Guess where it deposits him? Right where he was supposed to go in the first place. Now, from a new church perspective, we don't read these stories literally. We read them as these beautiful, incredibly insightful poems about life and about human nature and how we connect with God and how God connects with us and how it all kind of flows together. And I imagine a lot of us can see that rhythm in life where there's this thing we feel like God's calling us to do. I'd rather not. I'd rather go over here. And God goes, nope, I'm not giving you a choice. I'm going to pull you back over to here. That's what the core of the story is all about. And so these people, these people in Nineveh do actually repent. They rethink their ways. You know, uh, Jonah has just, he's delivered them the message. Their, their society is thriving now. And he's, and he's looking up from this, from this mountaintop down on these people who are, who are like thriving now. And he's like, I can't stand that. That's awful. Like, what are you thinking about, God? It, it, you know, my mind, what's coming to my mind is the, the famous, uh, you know, story of, of the Grinch who stole Christmas, you know, looking down on Whoville. Like, it was a little bit of that kind of play. And interesting, right? Because he's disturbed that they're doing well. There's a lot more to that story about, sh- you know, sun and shade, all kinds of things. But he's disturbed about someone else's good fortune. Important warning. Now, here is where, again, the story gets interesting. This is what he goes on to say, the next line of scripture here. This is from Jonah 4. To Jonah, Jonah, this, saving the Ninevites, seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall. Their salvation, the italics are my words. 
by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. That's like, we have, we have to find humor in the Bible. That is actually a very funny thing to say. I mean, and I, I think sort of it's blown up into this extreme so we can see how crazy that is when, when any time there's good fortune in the world, we, we regard it negatively. This line, this question that God poses to him is this. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? And again, I see God asking that with a smile. And what does Jonah said? Jonah says, well, this. I am so angry because I wish I was dead. In other words, he says, I wish, wish I would just die. That angry. With, with these questions, folks, around just life in general, that whole fairness versus mercy thing, Jonah didn't think this was that life was fair in any way, shape, or form. And from a Christian new church perspective, it's a divine impossibility to ever satisfy the human ego. It's a divine impossibility to ever satisfy the human ego. So what we have to do is we have to look at this question of fairness. And eventually, at some time, we have to let it go. We have to let it go. I remember for me, you know, I was blessed with an amazing, still blessed, he's still alive, with a, with a wonderful father. And I can remember wrestling with, like, you know, his, his pat statement, and probably a lot of you grew up with this too, well, life isn't fair. God said that, well, life isn't fair. And he never said it really in a cutting way. But more and more, I think he's right. Life, in a certain sense, isn't fair. God is good, and there's this thing called mercy. The eyes that maybe Jonah should have been looking through. There's this thing called mercy. And maybe over time, what can happen, folks, is that 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 question of fairness, actually, you know, I I think maybe the hope is that eventually, even that question of is it fair or not, like it goes... We start to see mercy. Friday, for the first time in a long time, some parishioners, myself, we, we made our way, did some things and made our way down to Kensington to do some work down there, just giving out scarves. And anytime you know we travel down there, I always feel like God puts somebody in my path to remind me about life's biggest lessons. Like I go down there, as much to learn as anything else. And I went down there, and there was a young man, and I asked him what I could pray for, and, and, and he had a beautiful response. He said, you know, I want to get over this addiction, making the more long esteem the way he said it, but you know, I want to get over this addiction. And I know only God up there can help me down here. And only God up there can help me down here. 
it's not that I look at that moment anymore and think about what's the fairness, the unfairness of life. And it's not that we shouldn't ask those questions or think about those things. We should, especially as they pertain to things like justice. But there's a piece there of just mercy. And it's not like me deciding to be merciful to this person. I mean, heaven forbid. But it's about this aroma of mercy that just held that interaction there for just a couple of minutes. Again, not from here to here, but just just something that held both of us there for that minute. God's mercy. And when we come back after this little video, I want to talk some more about that and talk a bit some more about like, yeah, how do we how do we wrestle with this fairness versus mercy thing? Because I think so much of it is is clearly based on on how we're going to be able to see gratitude at work in our lives and not get all caught up on on the fairness thing all the time. But really try to try to anchor our lives in a more merciful view towards the world. And most importantly, most importantly, towards each other. So, so folks, just beautiful responses that you had, you had in terms of the, the courage that gratitude takes. And, and just, you know, I want to share some of them with you because they're just so incredibly good. Living gratefully is easy if you live in the moment, not caring what others tell, what the media says. If people would focus on the positives for one week, this is really big, for one week, we could imagine how the whole world could change. Gratitude with courage means being grateful when things are not going your way. It requires resilience and a perspective on privilege. It requires more strength and intention than complaining. That word intention is beautiful there. I love this one that Brittany says, and it's harder to be polite than rude and demanding. <laughs> it is so true. And then also this line, also just a note, this is for the, for the musicians. The first song flowed through me and I just sobbed on my couch and let everything loose. My shoulders feel a lot lighter. Beautiful. Gratitude requires humility and humility requires courage and confidence. Isn't that interesting? You know, Scott said there, you know, humility requires courage. The world is constantly pulling us from our humble center. Beautiful stuff. Hard to be grateful when darkness surrounds. It takes courage to see through that. Gratitude recognizes that we do not get credit for the gifts in our life, and that makes us feel less worthy. Kids' response, because you might be thanking people you don't even know. Oh, that's really good. My response, because bad things happen and will inevitably happen again, and they will. And there's, there's many more in there, folks. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot more in there. I'd love to read them all. Those pieces are just, they're, they're just, they're, they're beautiful, right? Because like, like don't think, don't, don't allow this idea of, of living gratefully, don't allow it to just be a light thing in your life. It, it actually is, is a very deep, a very deep decision to live that way. And to live that way that is essentially outside of life circumstances. And paradoxically, completely invested in life circumstances at the same time. Completely invested in it at the same time that it's able to be, to be humble and to have courage and to, and to just try to look at the world differently. That idea of, of soft, of soft eyes. 
and to avoid what, what I like to call like the Jonah moment, you know, to avoid that Jonah moment where, where we actually are so into comparison, we're so into contrasting, we're so into what's fair and what's not, that we look at others and we don't look at them with the eye of mercy anymore. We look at them with the eye of judgment. Even when they receive something good. The Bible has other stories that, that, that talk about this as well. This is a story here from Matthew 20. And it's a famous parable. It's about the parable of the workers in the vineyard. So I'm going to read this story here. And, and I want to talk a little bit about it. It's about, about payment. And, and I, then I'm going to try to pull it into this whole idea of, as we've been talking about, like fairness versus mercy. For the kingdom of heaven, and here, you know, kingdom of heaven, that's where God is always saying, like, kingdom of heaven, this is how God kind of connects to earth. That's what he's saying. It was like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire people to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day. About the third hour, he went and saw others standing. He told them, you also, go and work in my vineyard. I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He came out again. About the sixth hour and the ninth hour, did the exact same thing. About the eleventh hour. He went out and found others still standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. So, so kind of think of a little employment agency here. And here's the, here's the landowner. He's going to the employment agency. He hires people at the beginning of the day. And then throughout the day, every few hours, he's hiring some more. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call everyone together, pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who had been hired first, the earliest in the day, who had worked a full day, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you have made, made them equal to us who've borne the burden of a full day work in the heat of the day. And he answered to them, friend. Love that line, friend. I'm not being unfair. Did you agree to a work for that amount? Take your pay, go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am jealous? Are you envious? Be no, jealous, sorry. Envious because I am generous. I, I love, folks, that, that line, right, of this coins and this beautiful line from God. Are you envious because I am generous? Are you envious because I'm generous? Now, I want to give a little background to, like, no business could work this way. <laughs> you know, and, and Jesus is smart enough to know that. No business could work that way. We don't work that way at New Church Live. It's, it's obviously talking about a poetic truth here. It's obviously talking about a much greater truth out there into the world. About how do we live gratefully? How do we live gratefully? The fairness. How do we, how do we sort of understand that, yep, there are some places maybe where we do need to have conversations around fairness. But there's more important conversations as well. And those are conversations around mercy. And looking at others with mercy. And looking at what they get with generosity and with, with mercy as well. That, that whole debate, that whole debate of fair versus merciful. Fair versus 
merciful. I want to talk, I'm going to move back and forth between two carpets here to, to kind of show, I think, maybe how this might work, a way we can hold it, a way we can maybe pull it into our lives. So let's, let's go down over here first. Now, if we, if we think of life, right, we can have a couple of tables we can sit at. And, and just, you know, join with me here, friends, and, and think of a table that's all based on fairness. It's all based on fairness. Now, the challenge with fairness, and this I say with a smile, knowing that I am prone to this, as prone to this as anybody, we believe things are fair. Listen carefully here. We believe things are fair if I get as, as much or more than anyone else. Most of the time. We believe it's fair if I get as much or more than anyone else. That idea of, of like fairness, it gets, it so easily gets into this concept of comparison and the, and the comparison trap. It's why I tell parents all the time, you know, to, to, be, to be really careful as, as we go into Thanksgiving. Be careful about, and you know, I mean, what do I know? This is just an idea. But, but I would urge people just to think through, maybe that's the right phrase, just to think through. If, if, if you're raising a family and, and you have a conversation with your kids and it's about like, you should be so thankful, you have all this, look at what other people don't have. Now, is that a true way to look at life? Yeah, absolutely, in a certain sense. But, but you can see where it just sets us up right away to start comparing. That my gratitude should be based on the fact that I have things that others don't. But look at what you responded with about the courage of living gratefully. Courage of living gratefully is, is I loved that word humility in there. It's, it's a humility that kind of comes underneath that all. A humility that's not going to try to make comparisons. A humility that I'm grateful because life is good. That I get to live it. I get to live this life with the people I get to live it with. And they're every bit as screwy as I am. Like, how good is that? Very different idea of fairness. And, and you can see as well that if we're sitting at a table like this with fairness, I mean, how easy it is to like fall into anger. Just imagine a Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving dinner where the primary theme of the dinner was making sure of fairness abounded, right? What's fair, what's not fair. Is that fair? You got this, is that fair? You know, what, what, that would not be a fun dinner. I don't want to go to that house. I want to go, go to a house where the reality of that table is love. That's the table fellowship right there. Now I want to step back over onto the far left here. Onto this table over here. Very different table. And, and again, folks, I, I, I want to start out with this, you know, as I say this, like, when, when we're looking at fairness versus mercy, it's so easy in my mind to think, okay, what's the right answer? It's not necessarily the right answer. There are times for fairness, obviously. Obviously. You know, Jesus is not embracing being unfair. I think 
where we're going with this is a, is a real simple piece. Like, I think what God's trying to say is, in a certain sense, life is always unfair. Maybe we can even say thank goodness to that. And then I think God would answer, but my mercy moves from generation to generation. My mercy's always there. Because folks, with, with fairness, we just when you really think of life, when you really think of life, if our eyes can see it, we get so much more out of this journey than we ever put in. We get so much more out of this journey than we ever put in. All of you have gotten these opportunities to know love and challenge and tears and laughter. Like you've gotten to know this experience. Like you've gotten to know this goodness, this richness of life. Like that's not fair in a certain sense. You didn't come into life deserving that. It's a gift of God. That's, that's the very basis of living gratefully. And that's what I mean, like, living fairness. Like, well, life isn't fair. Well, that's, that's actually good because God's merciful. And that's better. Do we see stories like that in the Bible? The answer is absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the ones, and it's, it's a story we're all well, that we all know well, but I, but I feel it's a real important story for us to touch on today. And this is one I was, I was talking to my, my buddy, and I, I was saying like, oh man, if, 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 if we were here in person, this is what I would have done today. If we were here in person, no such thing as COVID, this is what I would have done today. I would have done a service, and we would take communion right now. We'd take Holy Supper right now. And we would take it together. All of us. All the perspectives. All the views. Everything. Around the table. True table fellowship. Because let's just talk about that for a minute. Like, like with communion. Like how that works. And, and, and think about like the, this, this whole idea of like living with mercy and living gratefully. So around that table, for those of you who don't know, communion is, is it's set as right before Jesus is put to death. It's part of the Easter holiday. We celebrate it every, every few months here. And, and what Jesus does is he sits down and he breaks bread and he shares wine. And he talks about how much he has just couldn't wait to do this with these, his 12 followers. So they have this last meal together. Now that sounds terrific, right? Sounds terrific. Like you grab your 12 buddies, you have a meal. How good a time is that? Except for in this group sat Peter, who would deny that he even knew Jesus within 24 hours to save his own skin. There was Thomas, who doubted Jesus. Like, I don't believe you pulled that whole resurrection stunt off. Doubting Thomas is where we get that saying from. And there was Judas who betrayed Jesus to the authorities, leading directly to his death. Now, if the table was all about fairness, I would posit that those three should not have been there. That they should have somehow been excluded because that's not fair. Those three blew it. 
But here's Jesus, and he even welcomes that. He welcomes the whole thing. And then as, as, if, as if we might not get the point, as if we might miss that all 12 are invited to the table, that our 12 are invited to share their common humanity and to share that meal with, J, with Jesus, as if we might miss it. What he does, and many, many of you know this story, is he comes around with a pitcher of water and a towel, and he starts washing everyone's feet, including Judas, including Thomas, including Peter. Everyone. God's mercy. I'm sure a lot of you have already made the connection, right, with that story of the vineyard. Like, here's Jesus. He's treating them all with this, with this great equanimity. He's treating them all with, with, this, with this kindness. He's, he's treating them all with this love. That's living gratefully. That's what it really looks like. It's not easy. It takes humility. It, it, it takes a willingness to sort of turn over all our judgments. It's, it, it takes an ability to, yes, have strong, have opinions, even strong opinions. But to be able to remember that there are these better angels of our nature. And there are these higher things we can appeal to. And there is this table fellowship that we're to practice again and again and again. Because I think that's where Jesus says, like, look, this is where you'll get it. And it's not some far-off opportunity way out there we need to travel to. It's as common as the dinner table. It's the common as the dinner table with friends and family as well. I'm going to come back over here. That, friends, is where I think we can start to understand God's mercy, start to be able to hold, again, that fairness thing in a, in a much more nuanced way, and start to be able to live gratefully. I think that's where we start to find the courage of a grateful life. It takes courage to live that way. It takes courage to, to be able to reach out that way. It, it, it takes courage to be able to reach across to others, including those who we have so little in common with. But that's always the call. And that's always the beauty. When we closed last week's sermon, and this was what I want to close on today, Marcus reminded me of a line I just love, and I forget who I, who I quoted it from. It's not my quote, it's someone else's, but it's just really good. It's the quote that all joy is remembering. All joy is remembering. So let's just have a wish together to remember this week ahead our common humanity, to remember in this week ahead the mercy of God and to remember in this week ahead 
as we always say here, love wins. So to close the service now, folks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer a prayer. And then you'll have an opportunity after I say the Lord's Prayer as well, just to have a little moment just to say your own prayer, your own quiet moment of reflection. And then we're going to close with the last song. So please join me. So Lord, thank you for your presence here again today. And Lord, help us as best we can to remember these deeper lessons of mercy, these deeper lessons of care, these deeper lessons, Lord, that can help us to connect, to reconnect, to to support each other, to love each other, and reminding us through that of your great mercy. Lord, life isn't fair in a sense, and maybe most especially in this sense. We get so much more than we ever put in. Thank you for your mercy as you look down on us and help us, Lord, to extend that mercy both to you and for the week ahead. Extend that mercy to one another. Amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 